What if I told you there's a way you could be a second shooter at a family session so you can see exactly how the photographer prepares, how they interact with their clients, what they say when they're posing, or when they choose to use fluid motion, what they do when kids might not cooperate or dad might not be in the session. What if I told you there's a way you can see what the gear is that they're using, where they're positioning themselves when they're shooting, what factors they're taking into consideration when they're shooting, what if I told you there was a way you could see what their straight out of camera images look like, and then you could see their editing process too, so you know exactly how they get those start to finish images and those polished ones you see in your Instagram feed. Now what if I told you you could be that second shooter without ever having to leave your house? What if I told you that not only do you get to watch it from home, but you didn't have to remember every single thing you were trying to learn the first time you watched it? What if you could watch and rewatch as much as you wanted? How would that improve your images, your posing, your confidence? Now, what if I told you there is a way you could be a second shooter, not only for one photographer, but 26. That's exactly what you'll experience inside the 2024 online family retreat. Your inspiration will soar, your art will improve, your posing will become more fluid, and your confidence is going to increase so, so much. And honestly, your clients are going to feel so much more comfortable. Head on over to themilkyway.ca slash family retreat. It all gets underway May 29th, and we hope to see you there. For those of you who want to dabble in filmmaking, there's two parts. There's the actual getting of the footage, and then there's the making the film. And I just want to tell you, there is actual outsourcing for the making of the film. I have one of my Dubsado clients that once I told her I hired a filmmaker, like a film editor, oh, she hired my film editor. So all she does is go to sessions and get like video clips, and then she just sends them to the film editor, and the film editor makes an amazing film. So you don't have to figure that out if that's not in your wheelhouse. That is something that you can outsource. Welcome to the Art and Soul Show, where we dive into heart-opening chats on photography, business, life, and that messy in-between. I'm your host, Lisa DeJeso, a mom, a photographer, and entrepreneur, and I'll be sharing honest conversations and advice for photographers with insight on mindset, entrepreneurship, and creativity. The goal of this podcast is for you to be able to gain insights and strategies that will get you real results. Because let's face it, Having a photography business can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be. This is the place you can go when you need a boost of encouragement, a kick in the pants, and inspiration to pick up your camera. This is the Art and Soul Show. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm super excited to dive into today's conversation with Coley James. Coley is a Disney-loving family filmmaker, workflow and automations guru, and the host of the Business First Creatives podcast. Based in Denver, Colorado, her heart pumps in helping photographers and creative service providers automate their shit, reclaim their time, and get back to living. With 10 plus years in the creative space, Coley believes every creative deserves to build a business that is sustainable and profitable, and no one should quit their 9 to 5 only to work 24-7 in their business. The truth, automated systems can save us from being overworked and overwhelmed. Welcome back, friend. We're laughing because, oh my God. It's been a riot trying to just get us recording and it's just a day. It's yes, just a day. It's a day. So welcome. And- <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you, Lisa. It's so exciting to be back on the podcast. So those of you that haven't met Coley yet, you have to go back to episode 92 where she first joined me. We had an awesome conversation there. So I am really excited to have you back on the show. So welcome. So those of those that haven't met you yet, can you share maybe a little bit who, about who you are and maybe something that is really awesome that is happening in your world right now? Well, I mean, like Lisa said, I'm obsessed with Disney. So I'm excited to be going back to Disneyland tomorrow for my first official adult trip with my bestie. So that's what's going on in my world right now. It has nothing to do with business other than the fact that I'm trying to make sure that I get everything taken care of before we leave tomorrow. Other things in my world is that in the last couple of years, my business has kind of flopped from doing photography, filmmaking, mentoring to doing more of the system setup. I mean, I still love family photography, making family films. My current clients will never get rid of me, but I am currently in a phase where I am not taking new clients. So that is new since the last time that I was on the podcast. Yeah. And you know, I am in the same situation. I decided in, I guess, January just to like take a sabbatical, take a hiatus just from shooting and just really double down and focus on Milky Way and the podcast and just all the things I do with that. So it's been interesting and just different, right? Very different. Yeah. So what I love too, as we mentioned before we got on, you're actually going to Disney and your bestie is someone that was on the podcast too. Mm -hmm. And Kate, so I'm really excited. I can't wait to see all the videos and the reels and everything from your adventure. So we're going to switch gears a little bit because we're going to be talking today about family films and filmmaking. Coley's actually going to be one of our amazing instructors for the upcoming online family retreat that happens in June of 2023. So can you share maybe a little bit about your love of filmmaking, family sessions, and how you sort of paired it all together? So the funny thing is I like to tell people I've done family films since before they were cool. I mean, literally the entire time I've had my photography business, I have recorded video at the same time. I actually started from the very beginning. Now, I'm going to tell you, the films that I made in the beginning just outright sucked. (laughs) I mean, blown highlights. (laughs) Not knowing where my shutter speed needed to be. I mean, it was the worst of the worst. Like, not using an external mic so that the audio, yes. I mean, every single mistake that I am going to help you correct inside the next family photography retreat, I did in the very beginning of, you know, my family filmmaking days. So that's how I got started. I literally was recording the video clips alongside with the photos the entire time. And the thing that's kind of changed over the last 10 years of doing this is in the beginning, I was doing what we used to call fusion. So I wasn't making full family films. I was just getting like maybe 10 video clips in every session. And then I would make them a fusion slideshow where it was images and then a couple of video clips sprinkled in so that you could hear the baby cry, you could hear your toddler laugh, those kinds of things. And then in 2014, so I mean, two and a half years in, I went to a session and it happened to be older kids. They were, I want to say like 14 and 12, maybe they were, they were preteens or teenagers. And when I left that house and I went home and I downloaded, I was like, wow, there's enough here for like a whole film. And so I sat down and I made a film for beginning to end. And I was like, oh yeah, we're not doing fusion anymore. From now on, it's all family films. And so that was when I finally started offering the film in its entirety. I love that so much. I dabble in family films, like I'll do it for a few. And what I think is the most powerful is is 
it's always those in-between moments that, you know, it's when you put your camera down and what's what's going on behind the scenes. It's like a toddler being goofy or like prompting the toddler to say, I love you to like the new baby and like getting that recorded, like <sighs> it's gold. It's gold. It's been just like such a delight. So I've, I've loved filmmaking, but do you find like when you watch movies and and when you're watching things, like you're looking and watching how they do it, how they're panning. Like I'm always like looking what kind of gimbals, like what kind of things that they're using. I want to, I like go on like behind the scenes of like filmmakers on on Instagram just to see how they film things. I'm such a nerd. I love it so much. I'm so curious. And the funny thing is I really don't do much in the way of film. So <laughs> I just love it. Right? You're just obsessed with, I mean, you do like tech though. Come on, Lisa, you do I like tech. I love tech. I love tech so much. So I want to ask about gimbals actually. So if you don't know listeners what a gimbal is, it's something that you would put your camera on just to stabilize it. So do you use a gimbal? And if, is there one that you recommend? <laughs> so here's the thing, Lisa, there are three gimbals in this house, in this office in particular. I like to collect gimbals. I don't like to use gimbals. Same. I know. It's, it's pretty sad. <laughs> Off the top of my head, I can't tell you which two gimbals I have because also I bought those gimbals at least four years ago, so they're probably not the current models, but I am going to give that to you when we stop recording so that you can put it in the show notes. But I buy a gimbal and I try it out, but I think where I struggle is going between the filmmaking and the images. And I have two bodies, so it's not even like I couldn't leave one image, one camera on the gimbal just and pick it up when I need it. But I will also say for myself, I have very steady hands. And I actually forgot for a while how steady my hands were until I was mentoring someone in filmmaking and she was not using a tripod, a monopod, a gimbal, no stabilizer. And when I looked at her footage, I was like, you look like you were driving in a car while you were filming this. So I've been able to get away with just handheld video for almost eight years now without the use of a stabilizer because I have steady hands. But what I will say is that in my longer sessions or when I'm trying to film something at the same time I'm taking photos of it, like imagine a birthday party, guys, one-year-olds blowing out their candle. I don't want to choose between the singing of happy birthday on film and then the taking of the photo when they blow out the candle. So I usually put a camera either on a tripod or a monopod next to me to film the entire thing and get the audio on an external mic while I'm going back and forth between pictures and videos on my main camera. That's smart. Now, have you have you done much in the way with iPhones at all or like or phones? Because like they're getting better and better, right? And in fact, my phone actually died yesterday, my 13 Pro. Uh, it just like was in my hand and all of a sudden it just the screen turned black and it just died. And oh. I took it to the computer store that I got it from. They're like, yeah, there's no signs of life. Like I was like, it's new. <laughs> what did, they're like, what did you do? I'm like, I didn't do anything. Like, I was just, holding it. I was holding it and died. So yeah, I think I'll be upgrading to the newest one, which is like, yeah. Not- well, it's currently the 14 Pro. <laughs> yeah. And I plan to get one at Christmas, and then I couldn't find one that could be delivered in less than two weeks. So I'm still sitting with the 12 Pro. I mean, it's a decent one. Yeah. But here's the thing cameras, the, your, the cameras on your phone actually take incredible film, they can film up to 4K. The only reason that I wouldn't shoot videos on my iPhone at a session is I feel like the clients would judge me totally for charging them that much money to take phone footage. But I will tell you, like, if I actually recorded on my phone, 
they probably would not be able to tell the difference when I made the film. So it's really just a, I'm worried about, you know, getting those responses like, wait, I paid you and you're just going to take it on your phone. So instead, I mean, I use my $6,000 Z9, <laughs> which is like a massive camera to do my videos. But if I wasn't worried about a client being like, really? I mean, I would totally record video on my phone. Totally. Right? Like, it's interesting. I actually had a, a client and she messaged me. She, she had, had a, her 40th birthday was coming up. And she's like, what I really want is just like, just a few photos. But what I really want is like a reel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you just like, you want me to do a reel? <laughs> what? I mean, it's all the I way. Mean, I could. I'm like, here's my price for this. Right? But like, I found that really fascinating that the things that sometimes I think that we take for granted that we know how to do so easily and we can do well and quickly that we're like, our clients actually don't always know how to do that. So I was like, this could be something that I add in at some point. Interesting, right? Yes. And the other thing that I want to say about iPhones, because, hey, if you are at a session and you are taking photos and you want to just get a few video clips and take them on your phone, you're not charging your clients. I say go for it. The two things that I would say, though, about using iPhone footage versus like a real camera is number one, stabilization. Lisa already asked me about a gimbal, but the truth is with the new mirrorless cameras, most of them have in-camera stabilization. So while a gimbal is good, like your camera is already doing some of the work. That's number one. Number two, an absolute must-have is an external mic when you are filming on a professional camera. And I would say the same is true on your phone. So if you want to dive into it, great. I just think that you should invest in one of those plug-in mics so that the sound quality of what you are getting when you're you know, dabbling and taking these small video clips while you're at a session have good audio quality. Totally. And you know what's really funny is like... the. Like since we started, the quality of the mics and the prices them have really come down. Like when we started, it was like a Sennheiser lapel mic that I got. And I think it was like 1200 bucks, but you can get a really decent, like a road one that you just put on your camera. I just picked up a new one for like a hundred bucks. I have so many roads. Yeah. And I also have the, and the wireless go. Yeah. Yes. I have those yeah. too. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll detect, Lisa. I'm a gear junkie. (laughs) I love it. And actually, what I I just found, too, was this adapter that you could put on your hot shoe for your uh, your iPhone. So while you are shooting, Mm -hmm. you can can actually just take some video while you're shooting right from there. The angle's not always the best, like especially if if you're doing a newborn session. But if you're doing a family session, like I was like, oh, I'd like to try this with a family session just for like some behind the scenes for like maybe social media kind of stuff. Yeah, you just have to make sure that you remember like after you've taken your photos not to move the camera. Like continue to hold the camera until you are done with the video clip because you don't want your your small video clip to be up and down, up and down, up and down. Yes, I love it. I love it. So what I actually wanted to ask about is because I currently have a D5. So I'm, I'm Nikon. And I think you're Nikon too, right? Yep, I have a Z9, which is the mirrorless equivalent. What do you find like... Because you probably went from like unmirrorless or whatever. What is it called? Mirrored. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. I don't I mean, know. It's school. just a regular DSLR, but hey, I'll go with that. Mirrored whatever camera. Calls it, right? So like the autofocus is brutal with the older models. It is. So do you find with the newer ones, because I have the 
I think seven two. Like I haven't really played with it with video yet. Do you find the autofocus is way better because it was before it was like push pull? Lisa, it's amazing. So let me say some things for the audience in case they have an older camera. So a lot of times, one of the biggest mistakes that I see people try to do when they jump into filmmaking is they try to use autofocus. And the truth is, no one should be using autofocus when they're doing this until you get the hang of it. So if you have an older DSLR, if you use autofocus, you can actually hear the focusing of the lens inside of the internal microphone. <laughs> yes. That part. So yeah. the first thing is get an external mic like immediately. But the second thing is that on the older cameras, the autofocus is so bad. If your subject moves even a little bit, it is not a smooth transition from one focal plane to the next. It's very jerky, which is what you're hearing in the microphone. But the new mirrorless cameras, like if your subject moves, the focus is smooth as it follows them. And so it is worlds better now than it is then. But even though autofocus has improved a lot, I still encourage people to do what I call focus record. So you turn autofocus off, you have it, you know, still, you focus on your subject and then you hit record. Because the truth of the matter is, unless the kids are running towards you or doing something really crazy, they're going to stay in the focal plane. And so then you're not struggling against making sure that the autofocus is smooth and that you have jerky footage. Now, then you can start to practice on like autofocus and seeing what the camera is capable of. Because one of the things that I love to do is if I have people who are like in two different focal planes on my touch screen, if I'm focused on the person next to me and I touch the person on the screen in the back, my camera will actually slowly change the focus from the front to the back. But that's something that you have to set in your camera. So again, like, don't just try to use autofocus out of box. Like, when you're trying to get the hang of, like, your stability, making sure that you're getting clips that are worthy, I just really recommend that no one throw autofocus in at the same time. I love it because it must give that sort of, like, push-pull, like, that cinematic look that you really want. And you're like, oh, my God, that looks so professional. And you're like, I just touched it. <laughs> I mean, because before, I would set the focus. And then on my fingers, I would turn it clockwise, hit record, and then I would slowly bring my fingers back to like three and nine or whatever it is that I was setting them at. So that's what we had to do before when the autofocus on the cameras was not that great. Now, if you have anything like a Z6, a Z7, a Z9 for Nikon, if you have like an A7 or higher for Sony, or if you have the amazing R5 or R6 from Canon. They all have great autofocus. Eventually, you'll be able to depend on that a little more. I love that. Oh, good tips. So I want to ask about, because you mentioned a little bit about mistakes that you see. Are there any other mistakes that you see when it comes to beginner filmmaking that um, you can address? So I'm going to recap the ones that I already said just to make sure that they get. So the first thing is that people try to do autofocus from the beginning before you learn how to actually use the camera. The second one is that people think that the internal microphone is going to be good enough. And for 90% of the cameras, it is not. <laughs> you need an external microphone. The third thing that I want to say that new filmmakers make a, as a mistake is their settings. Now, settings are very complicated, guys. We have frame rates. We have shutter speed. It would be no point for me to tell you all this in a podcast because it really doesn't make sense unless you see it. Yeah. However... The mistake that people make is trying to record video at the same shutter speed that you took a picture. So those of us who do family photography, you've got a kid jumping in a bed, 
you want to freeze them, you're shooting at at least, I don't know, two fiftieths of a second, five hundredths of a second, basically as high as you can get it. If you try to record video at that same shutter speed, it will look very jerky because the amount of time that the shutter is open is leaving gaps. And so it will just look like there's frames missing. It won't be that smooth thing that you see on TV or in a movie theater. And so that is like the number one mistake that I see people make. And so what you want to do on your camera is either shoot at 1 60th of a second or one one twenty-fifth of a second. That's gonna make sure that you have the smooth video if you're using the default video settings on your camera. Love that, that's great tips. So what I also love about you, Coley, is you are clearly multi-passionate about a lot of things and you're unapologetic about doing what makes you happy. So what advice do you have for someone thinking, what will they think, can I do this? How can we stop taking ourselves so darn seriously? I will say it's been a struggle because I feel like I can't balance it as well as I used to. I feel like, you know, a few years ago, I could do anything. (laughs) I could do anything and I could keep it all straight in my brain. And now I rely more and more on like my team. And so one of the things that you mentioned was the podcast. In reality, the only thing that I do for my podcast is invite someone with automatic workflows in Dubsado. And then I record the episode. I literally do not do anything else for the podcast. I have a podcast manager that edits, gets it up on Buzzsprout, puts it on Apple, all that good jazz. My virtual assistant makes all of the social media videos that you see. So like, while I love doing it and I did everything for the podcast for the first two to three months, when I turned it over to them, it has given me the space to like, you know, homeschool my kid (laughs) and do other things, right, that I need to do. And so- I mean, I like to I like to say that I do many things, but the truth is without hiring a team and having people help me, I wouldn't be able to be anywhere near as productive as I currently am. I think that a lot of us resist it. And you know, like you think that we can do it all or we shame ourselves into thinking we should be doing it all because we think other people are doing it all. And the reality is like, we're all probably getting a little help. And we need it, right? And I mean, photographers, I think the two things that photographers outsource the quickest is editing and your bookkeeping. Like those are the two things that take up the most time and or you hate doing. But I mean, there are so many other things that you could outsource in your business related to marketing, social media. And since this episode is all about filmmaking, I will say, guys, in December of 2021, I finally found someone to edit films. I thought that was the one thing that I would never give up, but I actually hired someone to edit my films and it was amazing and it was glorious. So for those of you who want to dabble in filmmaking, there's two parts. There's the actual getting of the footage and then there's the making the film. And I just want to tell you, there is actual outsourcing for the making of the film. I have one of my Dubsado clients that once I told her I hired a filmmaker, like a film editor, oh, she hired my film editor. So all she does is go to sessions and get like video clips and then she just sends them to the film editor and the film editor makes an amazing film. So you don't have to figure that out if that's not in your wheelhouse. That is something that you can outsource. I love that. So tell me more. How did you find this editor? So technically, she was one of my students. I don't know that you know this, Lisa, but like, is it like eight years ago? I had a couple of courses where I was helping 
like photographers who wanted to transition into documentary family sessions, in-home sessions. It was called The Business of Telling Stories. And she happened to be one of my students from then. And then fast forward a few years, she started an entire business on making films for like consumers. So her actual business is like you as a mother, you're you're about to take this amazing vacation that we were chatting about before we hit record. But if you take a bunch of like iPhone videos while you're gone, you can send it to Jen's company and they will review all of your footage and make you like a vacation film. So that's what she does. And I contacted her and I was like, listen, I know you're making consumer films, but any chance you want to edit my client films? And she was like, sure. And so, you know, I sent her a couple and she did them. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is going to work. And then she just started editing all of my films. I love that. So is she taking clients? And can we add her info in the show <laughs> I notes? I will give you her <laughs> link in the show notes. Her business is called Films of Life. And so if you are not a consumer and you are looking for her to hire for like your client films, you're probably going to want to shoot her a note and be like, hey, I'm not a consumer. I'm a professional. I would like to hire you for these films. Or if you have vacation footage that's just sitting around, Jen's your girl. I love that. I love that. I love that there's like options. And I love that like people are so creative and coming up with, with solutions where we have we have these gaps that we need help with. I love that. And I love that she was a student of yours. Like talk about a full circle moment, hey? Yes, definitely. <laughs> so cool. So cool. So I want to ask, what has been the most fun project that you've worked on? And like in probably regards to family films. And see, the funny thing is you just said that. And what I was going to tell you was not family related. So, <laughs> actually, you know what? I'm still going to tell, tell you. Both. Tell me both. I'm still going to tell you because <laughs> a few years ago, I got an inquiry in my email from a man wanting me to do commercial work. Those of you that I don't do commercial work, right? So I ignored it. Kind of like a spam. I was like, this is not real. Two days later, he followed up with a voice message saying that he wanted to talk to me about this project. And so, you know, I called him back. And what they wanted to hire me to do was to film a dental practice, photo and video, for um, a rebrand on their website. And I was like, have you seen my website? Like, do you know what I do? And he was like, no, like, I don't want a commercial photographer. I want you because of the way that you capture these families. We want that same feeling on our dental website. Now, I will say they are not a normal dental practice. First of all, they have like 20 locations. This is in Texas. Inside of this dental practice, every single location, they have gaming stations, they have a playground, they have a movie theater. And after the kids have their their dental visit, they get tokens to like buy things out of, you know, the little twisty things where you get the prizes. So it's definitely not what you think of when you think of a dental practice. So I went and I did one for them. I did this one set of 20 locations. And then the next year, they hired me to do a different brand, which also has like 13 locations. And then in the third year, they brought me back because they were redoing their corporate website and they wanted me to go to Mexico and document a humanitarian trip where they were doing dental work in Mexico. Now, I know this all sounds really ridiculous, guys. And so when people ask if I do commercial work, I'm like, no, I, I don't do commercial work, but I do have a commercial client. <laughs> and it's because in this very specific instance, they really did want like the skills of my filmmaking and my photography. And they wanted me to get like the normal kind of expressions, the relaxed photos that I would get if I was inside your home. 
And so that was probably like the most fun project, probably because it took me out of my comfort zone. I mean, it's so different than, you know, what I'm normally doing. I mean, we were managing, I think each one of the shoots had at least like 30 models, like, you know, different families, the mom, the dad, the kids. I mean, I did it at like four different locations. And yeah, I mean, and I went to Mexico. I mean, it was like a whole thing. But that was the most fun that I had. And it's really where I kind of started thinking about the fact that I enjoy family photography. I enjoy family filmmaking. But there are actually other avenues where I can use those exact same skills in commercial work and get paid a lot more money. (laughs) Totally. I love it so much. Oh, that's so fun. You know what's funny is my I really love romantic looking work. Like my work has a very romantic look to it. And my mom said to me, she messaged me the other day, she's like, no. I have a friend who's a romance novel writer. She's like, have you ever considered doing like book covers? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Right? I haven't, but that's I could totally like, see you do that, Lisa. Totally. I would have so much fun. Oh. <laughs> Especially a Harlequin. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do boudoir. I just do, I do romantic noxessi. <laughs> there you go. I love it. So you ready for our lightning round? Sure. What are some little things that bring happiness into your everyday? My daily latte that my husband puts by the bedside off of my fancy espresso machine. You see how quick I got that out, Lisa? I love it. It is my favorite thing. I He bought it for me for Christmas in 2021, and it gets daily use. And the only problem that I currently have with traveling is that I wake up in the hotel rooms and there is no latte sitting I on my nightstand. It. Is it the barista bambino? No, it's a Terra calf. Oh. It's completely automated. Yes. So he doesn't have to do anything. He just has to empty the coffee and refill the beans. Oh, my gosh. We got a barista bambino, and it frosts the milk itself. <sighs> and so I was like, Ooh, this is fancy. My husband has now taken it over. Like, I li- he drinks, like, probably eight cups of coffee a day. Like, James to the point where coffee. I'm just like, I guess I'm drinking Keurig. <laughs> I mean, that's the funny thing in this household. My husband doesn't drink coffee. So I had to teach him how to make them so that he made them correctly. Oh, that's love. I love that. Okay. Favorite part of Disneyland? My favorite ride is Guardians of the Galaxy. It is literally the only ride that still makes me scream every time I get on it. It's fantastic. I love it. You know what's funny is when we went to Disneyland, the lineup was so long, we didn't go on it. Oh, no. I do it first thing in the morning. with oh. First thing in the morning at Rope Drop to get in. And then I also do like the Genie Plus Lightning Lane later in the day. There's so many rides we didn't go on when we were there that we have to have to go back. Mm-hmm. What is your most random, silly childhood memory? So the funny thing is, you're also going to ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And so I'm going to combine these two. Awesome. The <laughs> silliest thing about me, I think, from when I was a kid is that I wanted to be a solid gold dancer. And the funny thing is, I don't think anybody in your audience is going to know what that is. But it used to be like a dance show on television when I was like two or three. I'm very old, guys. But I wanted to be a solid gold dancer. That's what I told everybody. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love that. Do you have any personal projects going on right now? If you do, what is it? I don't really. I mean, not related to photography. Like my personal project right now is surviving the rest of the year homeschooling my kid. That's a big project. I have to survive that. So can I ask what made you make the switch to go homeschool? Pandemic originally. And then Chloe was, she was still in virtual school at the beginning of this year. And for those of you that don't know, I'm a mathematician by training. I also did teacher education. So those of you that are like, oh, well, you know, they teach it differently now. I mean, I know I used to teach the class, 
But when I looked at Chloe's math test at the beginning of the year, I legitimately did not know what they were asking her to do. And it had nothing to do with like newfangled curriculum, none of that. I just think the curriculum was so poorly put together. I don't know what my kid was supposed to get out of like three of the 20 questions. And so I was like, okay, no. So I pulled her and we got her a reading specialist. And then I'm in charge of like math, science, and social studies. Good for you. Wow. I mean, she's going back next year, Lisa. She's 100% going back. (laughs) But I mean, you know, having her at home the last three years enabled us to do fun things like get passes to Disneyland. And for an entire 14 months, we went every single month from Colorado. So, I mean, you know, that's something that she's going to remember fondly, hopefully. Exactly. When she's old. I love that. What three things do you want to be remembered for? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like you should just take that question out. I legitimately have no idea what I should be remembered for. I love it. Well, I think you're funny and cool. Okay. So the three things that I want to be remembered for are that I'm funny, I'm cool, and that I knew what the hell I was talking about. Exactly. Those are my three things. There you go. (laughs) Oceans or mountains and why? Oceans. I mean, and the funny thing is, you know where I live. I live near the mountains. Yeah. But I'm not a big mountain person. I'm not a hiker. But give me an ocean. Give me a beach. I'm in heaven. Yeah. Same. What's for dinner tonight? I mean, my favorite thing to cook is tacos. But unfortunately, no one else in my house eats them. So when I make them, it's just for me. I know. It's so sad. I'm coming for tacos. (laughs) When do you feel most authentically yourself? You know, at home when I'm hanging out with my family. I mean, the way that you guys see me on social media is how I am in real life. And it's funny. My clients often say that when I come into their house. Oh, wow. You're just like you are on your website. Yeah, I do that on purpose. (laughs) Isn't it weird to like hire someone and they come to your house and they're like not the same? I mean, no. So I'm always authentic, but I feel like I'm most authentic when I'm at home with my husband and my daughter. I love that. Well, I think I may have asked you this question before, but you may have a different answer this time. So what has been the best piece of business advice you've ever been given? I don't know that I was given this advice or if somebody told me and I just ignored them. But for the longest, I fought against outsourcing. Like I thought no one could do anything in my business better than me. I'm definitely a type A personality. I have to have my fingers in everything. And it wasn't until I was forced to outsource the photography, like the editing, that I realized that it wasn't as painful as I thought it was. And like now, oh, anything that I add to my business, I'm like, can I outsource that? Can I delegate that? Like, do I have to do that? So my attitude is completely different. But I would say that for the first four or five years of my business, I didn't outsource anything. It was all me all the time. Yeah. And it's like, I remember jumping on a plane with my business partner, Erin, and just like bursting into tears because I had 30 sessions to edit. And she's like, what would it feel like if you didn't have that? And you just like handed it to an editor. And I was like, ugly crying on a plane. <laughs> She's like, I think, I think you need help. I was like, I think I do too. And so like by the time we landed, I had actually posted in a Facebook group. I had hired someone. Oh, like crazy, right? Crazy. Like boom. It's like you make the decision and then it happens. Mm-hmm. And I and I had her for like six years until the pandemic and then I stopped shooting and then just life, right? I just don't shoot much right now. So where can our listeners learn more from you? Okay. So My main website is now the systems website, which is coleyjames.com. But if you are interested to see the photography side, that is coleyjamesphotography.com. And on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, anywhere else, I am just Coley James. I love it. Now, can you also share what you're teaching for the family retreat? I am teaching family filmmaking, how to make professional home videos for your clients. 
It's going to be amazing. So I love to end my interviews with this last question, and it is, what are you currently curious about or artistically curious about? I mean, I'm curious what my business is going to look like in a few years. I'm currently, you know, I'm in the same place as you, Lisa. Yeah, I'm trying like to figure transition. out. Yeah, transition. <laughs> and so I spend a lot of time trying to think about next steps and what it's going to look like in two to three years and what my offer suite will be. And so just like being creative with making new offers, modifying the offers that I have now is what I find curious at this moment. I love that. You know, what really sparked my interest is when you were talking about the dental practice that had kind of just reimagined dentistry, you know what I mean? And I was like, well, what if we did that for the photography industry? Like, what could we reimagine if we're like, we just changed up how we do business, how we like serve our clients? What would that look like? Yeah. That's interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Love it. Well, thank you for joining me today. Ah, Lisa, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Oh, my beautiful friends, I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. I am sending you so much of my light and my love today and every single day. We will see you next time. I wanted to take a moment to ask you a little favor. I so appreciate you spending your time with me and tuning in and listening to the show. I would be so incredibly grateful if you could take a quick moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your review helps other photographers discover the podcast and learn how to grow their own photography businesses and gain confidence to go after their dreams. It also means the world to me personally and helps me know what content you find most helpful. Thank you so much for your support and for being part of our amazing community.